It was about a year ago, Marsh and I were sailing from the south of Grenada to the little island of Cariacou. Cariacou officially is a part of the country of Grenada, though it is a good distance from it. And a very small little island, only seven miles long and about three miles wide. We had heard that it was beautiful, and we sailed into this wonderful little anchorage, dropped anchor. We went ashore to get something to eat, and we found the people to be incredibly friendly. We wanted to see the island, as small as it was, and we caught a taxi to go to their one town that had 700 people in it. It was a quaint little town, very picturesque. We happened to go to the fish market right as the fish were coming in to catch for the day, and we were there with all the locals, and we got to buy fresh fish just as they would do. We then took a walk down this very pristine beach. I think we may have been the only two people walking on it. And as we walked along this beach, though, we suddenly came to the sign that made us stop in our tracks. It was a huge sign there on the beach. And it said, Be tsunami smart. Know the warning signs. And then it gave you three. Hear a strange roar from the ocean. See the water draw back. Three. Feel a strong rumble. And then it said in big letters, Don't wait. Run to higher ground. And it just so happened, here was a guy in a tracksuit running. And right behind him, you had this huge wave coming. And you see him running, and I'm thinking, Do you hear? Do you see? Do you feel? Don't wait, run to higher ground. Don't miss the signs. When I started working on this sermon, I thought, you know, that's exactly what happens. Why, sometimes I think we miss being ready for Christmas. Because we fail to hear the message God has for us. We fail to see God working in the world. We fail to feel the love that God has for us. And so we don't run to higher ground to go tell it on the mountain, to go share God's love and people who are in need. Sometimes we miss Christmas preparing because we miss the signs. This morning we're looking at the shepherds and, you know, they did it right. The shepherds were out in the field watching over their flocks by night. Now, we look at the shepherds almost every year. By now, I hope you remember that the shepherds were kind of low down on the Sosham totem pole. They were not highly respected. They were poor. Part of the problem was, because of their job, they couldn't follow all the religious rituals of the day, so they were considered unclean. They felt guilty. They felt guilty because they weren't doing everything that they knew they were supposed to do. And so here you have these people who are struggling with their self-esteem, People say things all the time. They're feeling guilty because they're not as good as they're supposed to be. And they're out watching their sheep and suddenly an angel appears. An authority of God. Now if you already have a poor self-esteem and you feel guilty and an authority of God shows up, what's going to happen? You know you're about to catch it. You're going to get punished. Something bad is going to happen. And so they're afraid. And that's why the very first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid. 
For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy. This isn't news of judgment. This isn't news to tell you how bad you are. Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people. For born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherds heard the message. But God wanted to make sure that they didn't just hear and then the angel go away and they kind of all looked at one another and went, did you see what I saw? No, God wanted to make sure they got it and so suddenly there is a multitude of heavenly hosts, it says. Lots of angels giving glory to God. No, they see all the angels in the heavens proclaiming God's glory. And that night something happens. It's like the earth shakes. They feel. They feel that love of God for them. Those who struggled with their self-esteem, those who were feeling guilt, that night they felt God's love for them. And so the Bible says, and they made haste, they ran to Bethlehem to go see this thing made known to them. And when they saw it, they saw that expression of God's love that gave them hope for life. And it says they went out praising God and glorifying Him, going everywhere to share God's love. Go to higher ground and go tell it on the mountain. This morning, I want to continue on with the sermon series, Go Tell It on the Mountain. If you were here last week, you know I told you that, that this really comes from the song we were just singing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. It was composed 150 years ago, we believe, composed by an African slave here in the United States before the Civil War. Composed by someone who felt bondage, who had also struggled with a sense of self-esteem, who found life to be incredibly hard, and yet they managed to hear the message. To hear a message of God's love for them, a message that brought them hope, and so this slave wrote about, go tell it on the mountain, Jesus Christ is born. Go share His love. Out of that circumstance, this message was born. We would have lost it. It was being passed on by an oral tradition, but it was John Wesley Work, Jr., who wrote a book, came out in 1907, entitled um, the, The Spirituals and the Folk Songs of Negroes Sung on the Plantation. And because of his work, we have, go tell it on the mountain today, a message that even though life is hard, even though we struggle with who we are, ah, celebrate, for God's love has come. This morning is the second Sunday in Advent. We said Advent's a time of preparation. And so I want us to continue preparing. How do we experience this good news of Christmas? And I want us to see these four things. First of all, you need to know the signs. You need to hear the message. Do you hear the message God has for you? Last week, I asked you to be very dedicated to your devotional life. We passed out daily devotional guides. If you didn't get one, they're out in the narthex. Pick them up when you leave. I haven't missed a day. Every morning I get up, I read, I take time to pray and to sit and just listen. Are you taking time to pray? 
But the question is, last week I said, would you pray each day and ask, oh God, what is your message of hope? What is your message of love for me? Now, a lot of times we don't get an answer because we don't expect an answer. When you pray and you're asking for God's message of love for you, God's message of hope for you, do you expect to hear so many times, we really aren't looking. We're not going to be listening for what God has to say. God doesn't always speak in an audible way to us. That message can come to you in many different ways. Do you expect this Christmas you will hear God speak? I came across a story from Debbie Myers. It was about 15 years ago now. Debbie Myers was a second grade teacher. She had 23 students. She was teaching in the uh, Baltimore, Maryland school district. And she said she loved her kids, but there was one child she had that year named Brian. Brian was a wonderful kid, but during the year he developed an inoperable brain tumor. He began receiving treatments, and they began to shrink the tumor, but he had gone blind. He was still able to come to school a whole lot of the time, and he would come. And the thing about Brian was it never affected his attitude towards life and the rest of his friends. He still was very positive. He was always joking. He loved to sing James Brown, I feel good. He would always make all of his friends laugh. No, he, he just continued to love life. Around Thanksgiving, Debbie, Debbie had all of her students keeping a journal, and she asked them, would you write down what is the one wish, the one thing you want to have happen more than anything at Christmas? And Brian wrote down, the one thing I really want is to shake hands with Cal Ripken. Now, if you know baseball, you know Cal Ripken was the third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles. He was a superstar. He is retired now. But in those days, he truly was amazing. He broke Lou Gehrig's Ironman record for the number of games played in a row. I mean, he is a superstar. And he's also a wonderful human being. Brian said, I just want to shake hands with Cal Ripken. And and when the other kids heard that, they all came to their teacher, Debbie, after class and said, what if we all wrote a letter? We all wrote letters to Mr. Ripken telling him why he needed to come and meet Brian. What a neat guy Brian is. How he used to love to play baseball, how he loves to sing James Brown. We all need to write a letter. Now, Debbie called us in a bind because she knew, I mean, Cal Ripken isn't going to come to a second grade class. But how do you say no to kids who are wanting to show love and help? And so she said, all right, you write the letters, and I'll get them mailed in. And so these kids all wrote their letters. She mailed them all off to the Baltimore Orioles Public Relations Department, thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now? I know he's not going to come. Sure enough, they only had three weeks left of school. And every day the kids would come in, have you heard from Mr. Ripken? Have you heard from Mr. Ripken? No, no, I've not. One week went by, two weeks went by. You heard from Mr. Ripken? No, we haven't. By the end of the second week, Debbie was beside herself. Why am I going to break this to Brian and to the kids? And so she went to church on that Sunday. And that Sunday, while sitting in church, the, the pastor said, we have prayer concerns. Who has a prayer concern? You may know what that's like if you've been to a smaller church. Pastors will come out and people in the congregation will stand up and say, would you please pray for my grandmother who's ill? Would you please pray for my wife who's struggling? Would you please pray for my dog who has a limp? Oh, you, you get all kinds of prayer requests when you open it up to a congregation. 
that was not something she ever did. She never asked for prayer, never gave prayer request. But that day sitting there, all she could feel like there was a voice saying, lift up your prayer. And she said it was like an out-of-body experience. I couldn't believe I suddenly stood up and started to say, let me tell you about Brian. Let me tell you about the kids' letters. Let me tell you about Mr. Ripken. And I don't know what to do. And we shouldn't probably pray for this, but I'm really struggling. The preacher said, no, no, it's great to pray for Brian. Pray for the kids and Mr. Ripken. After church, a lot of people came up to her and said, wow, Brian sounds special. We'll be praying for Brian. You know nothing's going to happen. She said, I know. She went back to school, and sure enough, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the kids kept going, have you heard from Mr. Ripken? No. They came to Thursday. You heard? No. And then right at the end of school, suddenly someone came down from the principal's office and said, we just got a call from Cal Ripken. He wants to meet you and Brian at his office down at the ballpark tomorrow at 8.30 if you can be there. Debbie said, I was stunned. The next morning she grabbed Brian and they went down to the ballpark and they was ushered back into this office and into a, a boardroom. And in just a moment, here came Cal Ripken. He knelt down in front of Brian and he said, would you like to see me? He understood a blind person. How do you see? You start touching them. Would you like to see me? Brian felt his face. And then he started talking about baseball. Started talking about Christmas. And then Cal went over and sat down in his big comfortable chair. And he said, come, sit on my lap. That's what my kids like to do. And as soon as Brian sat on his lap, he started spinning the chair around. And Brian was screaming and hollering and they were laughing. He then signed baseball caps and jerseys and baseballs. Debbie said we were there an hour, never felt rushed. But I knew it was getting time for us to be moving on. And, and I said something there finally to Brian, and he stuck out his hand to shake his hand with Cal Ripken. But Cal said, I'd like a hug. I always tell my kids, squeeze as hard as you can. And Brian threw his arms around Cal Ripken's neck and he squeezed and squeezed. And Debbie said as she was standing there watching this, all she could think about was what Cal had told him when he first came in the room. He never did get their letters. No, he figured they probably still were tied up with the Baltimore Orioles public relations. Never did get the letters. No, what happened was he said, you must have been at church and stood up and gave a prayer concern. And there was someone at your church who actually plays on a church basketball team on Wednesday nights. And they're on the same team as my agent. And so on Wednesday night, this person told my agent about your prayer request. And so on Thursday morning, my agent told me about the prayer request. We had to spend all day Thursday going, who is Debbie? <laughs> who is Brian? It took us all day long to hunt you down before we could finally catch you that afternoon. And Debbie said, I watched Brian hugging Cal Ripken's neck and all I could think about was, I almost didn't lift up my prayer because I didn't expect an answer. Do you expect an answer? doesn't come just in audible voices. Many ways. 
Have you prepared your heart to hear the message God has for you? The message of love for you. For those shepherds, in spite of their sense of guilt, in spite of their sense of poor self-esteem, they heard. They heard the message God had for them. Secondly, you have to see the angels. You have to see God working in the world around you. Now, I really think that's why the one angel came to speak to the shepherds, but he didn't want them all kind of standing around. Was that a hallucination? What did we miss? No, let's just see a whole heavenly host of angels out there. There is no doubt about it. God is in his world. Do you see God in the world about you? You know, this is sometimes hard. I know that it is hard not to become cynical about life, to really become a little jaded. When you look around you in this world and you listen to the evening news, you hear all the struggles going on with race relations and grand juries. It makes you sad. And then you start hearing about terrorists and the murders and the things they're doing around the world. And then you watch our government and you see how dysfunctional we seem to be operating in Washington. You, know, you look at all this and it's hard not to become jaded, to become cynical, just to see all the bad going on in the world around you. Do you ever open your eyes and see God in the world? I'm telling you, I believe God is in the world working all the time around you. So many acts of love, kindness, blessings. Do you see that God is doing love around you? Yeah, I came across a great video this week. It was fascinating. It was actually by KLM, the Dutch airline. And what they were showing was over in Amsterdam, their headquarters, they noticed that people going on international flights, it wasn't always a happy goodbye because not everybody's going on a two-week vacation. You have grandmothers saying goodbye to grandsons who are going to go live on the other side of the world. You have husbands who might be traveling to go on a job now to be gone for a month or two. You have wives who may be going to live somewhere else. You have separations in families and friends. And people stand there and they, they cry and grieve as people get ready to go check their bag through security. And KLM came up with the idea. They sent some people to watch. And when they saw somebody who was really crying at someone who was leaving, they then waited till the person walked off towards security and they came up to them and said, would you like to write them a note of love? Would you like to do something kind for them? For children, would you like to draw your mom or dad or brother a picture? And they had a room set up. They could bring them back in. They had paper and they had pencils and crayons. And, and you could very quickly write some sort of a note or draw a picture. And then as the person was going through security and making it down to the gate to wait for an hour to get on the plane... No, these people would grab these notes and they were getting through the airport. They got onto the airplanes and they know that Bob Long is going to sit in 20C and this was from your family and they would tape this note from your family on your seat. And you suddenly walk on the airplane and you're just kind of feeling still sad at having said goodbye and suddenly here's this note of love that has gone before you. Oh, the expressions it brought. For some, additional tears. For some, laughter. But you could tell how meaningful it was to everyone. And I couldn't help but think, Christmas is when you and I remember that there is a love that goes before us. 
It is God's love that is going before us. There is love of family and friends that surrounds us. God is in the world doing amazing things. Be careful that you don't become cynical and jaded and all you see is what's wrong in the world. But open your eyes. See God. Third, you got to feel. You got to feel your earth shake. You got to feel God's love for you. For these shepherds, you know, they felt guilty. They didn't follow all the rules. They struggled with self-esteem. And you know, if people look down at you, and people talk about you, and one of the things that sure is tempting is to build a shell around you because it hurts. It hurts when people talk about you. It hurts when people say unkind things. So you build a shell around you so you don't get hurt. I also know at Christmas, it sure can be a time of pain. It's not just a time of joy for everybody. The Christmas season, the holiday season, you know, if you've gone through a divorce, it sure can remind you of just how lonely you are. If a loved one has died, you miss them at the Christmas season. The grief is intensified. And what happens is when you and I feel grief and we feel the pain, we don't want that. And so a lot of times we try not to feel, to insulate ourselves. But the truth of life is if you don't allow yourself to feel pain, you will never know joy. You stop feeling. Christmas is a time where you should feel free to cry, to grieve. The grieve, the loss, whether it is a divorce, whether it is a loss of someone you love, whether ever the loss is in your life, you can go ahead and cry. You grieve because then you're able to feel God's love for you. And once you know that love, you hear God's message for you, you see what's going on in the world, once you feel the love, you'll also feel joy. For those shepherds, wow, they heard it. They began to see it. They felt God's love. It changed who they were. And that's why for, it says, they made haste. They ran to Bethlehem to see this love that had been made known to them. And it says they went out glorifying and praising God. That is, they went out telling everybody about God's love, sharing God's love and bringing hope. You go tell it on the mountain. This Christmas, it's about you and I going out and sharing God's love. When we hear and we see and we feel, you want to go tell everybody. You want to share God's love. I know some of you may have seen a, a video on YouTube that's really just gone viral. Fascinating, true story about a, uh, it's entitled, I think, Homeless Man Wins Lottery. And it was created by a man named Rahat Hassan. Rahat is a, an entertainer. He's a magician. And he loves to make videos. And usually he's pulling pranks on his friends. And then he puts them on YouTube. Well, he noticed a guy who was homeless. Been outside a store uh, for quite some time now, days after days. And, and he talked to some friends who said, you know, we've met this guy. He really seems genuine, like a stand-up guy. 
And so Rahat decides to make a surprise video about this homeless guy. His name was Eric. And so what he did was he got a lottery ticket that he had bought that lost. But he went to the store clerk in a local convenience store and said, I'm going to bring a man in here who's going to present this lottery ticket. I'm going to give you this $1,000. I want you to tell him that he's won. And so it was, he then creates this video and you see him come out and start speaking to Eric who's sitting on the side of the street asking for money. And, and Rahat comes up and says, look, I don't have any money to give you, but I got a lottery ticket. I don't know if it's worth anything, but I got a lottery ticket. If you'd like it, I'll go with you to check it out. And Eric says, thanks, man. Thanks, bro. And he gets up with him and says, that's really nice of you. And they go walk into the store and Eric walks up and puts the lottery ticket down for this clerk. And the clerk looks at it and says, you won $1,000. And Eric steps back and says, what? Are you kidding me, man? Are you kidding me, bro? I won? No, no. Are you kidding me? So the clerk gets out and starts, 100, 200, 300, 400. He counts out $1,000. He hands it to Eric and Eric takes his money. Going, You're kidding me. It's like he can't believe the good news that he has heard. $1,000? He takes the money and turns around and looks at Rahat and says, Here, bro, let me share it with you. And Rahat said, No, 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 that, that money's for you. Oh, no, no. I, I, he took a couple and said, I only need this. Here, this is for you. Let me share it with you. No, no, you don't need it. It's your money. No, bro, please let me share with you. And Rahat said, no, it's your lottery ticket. You won. And Eric stands there and he starts looking at this money, wrapping his mind around the news that he has heard, looking at the money. And he starts to cry. He just stands there by himself and begins to sob. And Rahat comes over and puts his arms around him and Eric begins to hug him and he begins to sob. And they walk out of the store outside and, and Eric turns to him and says, you need to know, nobody has ever done anything like this for me, ever. I know I don't deserve it. Thank you, man. No one has ever done this for me. Well, Rahat took the video. He put it online. He put it on YouTube, and guess what? Two weeks later, it had been viewed 15 million times. 15 million times. And people started responding and saying, how can we help Eric? And so it was, Rahat went and got Eric, and he put him into a hotel for two weeks. He said, let me get you a hotel room for two weeks. In the meantime, in the next 17 days... $44,000 came in. And so it was that Rahat took the money and he went and he found a house that he could rent and he bought some furniture and he set some money aside for food and some money aside for clothes and opened a bank account with the other 20000 that would be non-designated, an account that he could monitor with Eric. And then he went to go see him. It turned out that Eric was sitting there in the hotel room in front of a computer when Rahat worked in and he looked up and says, hey, bro, I got some good news. What's that? I got a job. I got a job. I can support myself. Thanks, bro. And Eric said, 
And bro said, um, Rahat said to him, <laughs> Rahat said to Eric, come on, I got a surprise for you. Have you ever been to my house? No, no, I had Well, come on. And so they got him in the car and they drove to the new house and they walked in the front door and it took him a second to see the sign on the wall and kind of begin to comprehend. It says, welcome home, Eric. And he starts going, I can't quite hear what you're saying to me. It's your home. And so Rahat starts to give him all the information and explain to him what has happened. And again, Eric is wandering around going, I just can't believe this, man. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. And finally the cameraman comes out and he looks at the cameraman and he stops and says, to all of you who believed in me, I don't deserve it. But I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. I am so grateful. You may feel you don't deserve it. You may struggle with the guilt because you don't feel like you've been the person you should be. Maybe you're overwhelmed with a sense of grief, a sense of sadness. See the signs. Know the signs. Hear God's message for you. Expect God to speak. See God working in the world around you. Feel the love that God has for you. Be vulnerable. You cry, you grieve, you know God's love. Because then you will want to run. You will not wait. You will run to higher ground. You will go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer.